What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by my delightful and important and vital Patreon members where you can become a member by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, that's patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a member, make a $5 a month donation. It's like a cup of coffee a month, just like a, any other subscription to the New York Times, the New York Post, Slate Magazine, the Chase Thomas Podcast we're all one and the same. That's what people are saying. And you can support the show by doing that today. It would be great in continuing to put out as much content as I am. Because guess what? I'm doing seven pods a week, sometimes more. We are doing interviews with pro wrestlers, former NBA players, NBA GMs, coaches, college coaches, college ADs. We are doing movie reviews on Sundays uh, that you can find with Musee and Thomas. Every single Sunday, we're reviewing a different movie. Uh, Monday through Friday, we're getting NBA, NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, team beat writers. You're getting pro wrestling analysis. You're getting the sports reporters. Reporters. What is it? I don't even know. America's favorite sports writers? I think that's what we're calling it. On Friday with some of the best sports writers and sports thinkers on the internet today. We are doing all this every single day. New content every day. You know what else I'm doing every day? I'm writing every day. You can read my Monday uh, Atlanta sports column. That comes out every Monday. On Tuesdays, you can read my Monday Night Raw recap. On Wednesday, you can read my Impact Wrestling recap. On Thursday, you can read... Hold on, let me check my notes here. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'll come back to it. On Friday, the Friday mailbag. Um... Oh, I know what I'm doing on Thursday. We're doing the AEW Dynamite review. On Friday, we're doing the Nobody Asked Mailbag, like I said. Maybe that'll turn into an actual mailbag. If you would like to send uh, those, you can do so by going to emailing me at chasemuspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can read my SmackDown recaps on Saturday morning. You can read my newsletter that goes out every Saturday morning. We'll eventually have a tiny letter or Substack uh, once I get that pesky PO box, but I will update you all soon and then uh sunday volunteers yeah every saturday guess who's in knoxville me guess who'll be covering tennessee football tennessee basketball for the next several years maybe ever me falls go go read my stuff um you can read all of it at chase thomas podcast.com i would highly encourage you to check it out chase thomas podcast.com slash page hyphen 11 where you can read all my stuff get access to all of my episodes all that good stuff Go to Apple, subscribe there, leave me five stars, leave a review, help the show continue to grow and move into that top 200 permanently on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, tell a friend, share the show. This intro is three minutes long. That's entirely too long for an intro. Too long. And I just did a long pause. I don't know why. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, boys and girls. My name is Chase Thomas, and you are listening to the full ride on the Chase Thomas podcast. 
I am up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, down there in Decula. I'm going to say it right because I'm a professional now. Uh, Matt Green, fellow UNG alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Chase Thomas, sir. It, uh, it is a pleasure. Um, it's, a, it's a great Sunday. I'm just uh, looking forward to talking about a great day of college football yesterday. Falcons just got demoralized and they fall to 0 and 5 for the first time since 1997. I'm recording this in my work done Falcons jersey. Um, and then yesterday, just uh, yesterday, I think was worse because like the Falcons have just beaten it out of me at this point where like it, it is what it is. Um, Tennessee won the first half. It was uh, it was a beautiful thing. Garantana was. Playing perfect, 11 for 13, almost 200 yards passing, two TDs, dropped some bucket bombs to Josh Palmer that I put out in my preview and just thinking about like how this game would be won is if he would get some time to get shots downfield because I thought ultimately it would come down to the offensive line play and the four or five stars versus the Georgia defensive front because if they won the line of scrimmage, then Tennessee was going to win this football game. Um, they won it in the first half and the second half they did not and my group <laughs> uh my hold, group hold on hold on I, i'll let you finish i'll let you finish just keep going i because I, I have i feel like i need to get all this off my chest because i've been sitting okay. on it for 24 hours and i was nervous going into the half because georgia had that obvious terrible straight at the middle over and over again with zamir white from the shotgun like you he, he's awful and he's just he's not good anymore he has no knees i don't know what you're doing down there in athens because you have guys like mcintosh and then Milton, who comes out of nowhere, this like Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, double whammy, who just pops in there and it's just like impossible to bring down and breaks like nine tackles on a huge run late in this game. Um, you have options. Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton did, really did flash some some Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley esque. Yeah. Uh, He's going to be a beast. Like you can go ahead and pencil that one in. He's going to drive me nuts for the next several years. I can already tell. That's um, that uh, the stable of backs that Kirby recruits, man. Kendall Milton, five star out of Cali. But they keep playing Zamir White, and Zamir White just he stinks, and he runs. And like these play calls were terrible. Todd Monken did not call a good game in this game. George Pickens squirts a water bottle like he's peeing on Jarrett Garantano for a flag, and then they don't go to him in the third quarter. Like he's still an idiot. Um, like he might be the dumbest college football player I've seen in a long time. He, I thought my dad was a little too hard on him over the tech stuff. And my Georgia fan family were a little too hard on him because I'm like, yeah, he's still the best player on your roster. He's, he's young. He's just young, cocky, and good. And then you're like, oh, he just might be an idiot. Um, he's just stupid. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, that was a, that, we're that in was their a head. Super, yeah, I was that was in a super immature like, play. We're in their head. Like, Jared Garantano got up and he felt good about it. And he was evading pressure really well. He saw the blitzes coming, and the first half he was just evading it. And when he has time, Jared Garantano can dissect you and pick you apart. Jim Cheney's offense is dependent on Jared Garantano having time. If he has time in the pocket, he's going to find those bucket bombs to Palmer or Keaton or whoever. Um, that is his game. And that is what he was able to do through two weeks. And that's how they were able to win eight straight games is great offensive line play, him having time and able to pick defenses apart. That did not happen in the second half. And he made some bad plays. Like, the one thing that I will say that fell on him is the interception. Because he threw it off his back foot. That was stupid. He shouldn't have done that. But the fumbles, he's getting blindsided, sacked. They're ripping the ball out. Like, when the pocket's collapsing like that over and over again, and Ojule, Ojule, whatever his name is, is a monster. Ojulari. Yeah, he was 
eating Cade Mays and uh, Morris's lunch on the right hand side, and that was the game. Like he, Garantano at that point was just seeing ghosts, and I don't blame him. That offensive line just got destroyed, and that cannot happen if you want to beat Georgia. And the defense did everything they could. Totoa had a great game. Um, Taylor had a big save there, and Bryce Thompson had some good plays. Like the defense did everything they could. DeAndre Johnson getting kicked out for that targeting. I I don't know how different the game would have been if he had stayed in, but that obviously was a big thing putting in the freshman for him, and that mattered because Georgia got out onto the edge and spit uh bennett was able to evade the pocket a lot more um he had some really terrible throws like he was objectively awful in this game too and the difference with him versus garantano is garantano had the turnovers when he self-destructed a little bit in the pocket and bennett just would like throw these little dive balls away and um he got away with some really bad holding on the second his touchdown run where there were three holds and you can go back and watch the tape on that there were three holds that got him through that um that should have been called back there was some questionable officiating i'm not still certain what pruitt was upset about with george's defense getting messing with uh tennessee's offensive line over and over again um i don't know if you picked up on what he was talking about i'm not i'm not sure what he's mad about either because i feel like george has been doing that for about two years now where they just shift everyone at the same time and it it's been messing with offensive lines for the last two years so well it messed with tennessee's and yeah without a doubt i have an answer and that was the thing is like tennessee is not a team that's going not yet they don't have the quarterback who can answer when everything falls apart. Part of the reason that Auburn was able to keep it closer when things fell apart versus uh, Tennessee is Bo Nix runs around all the time. So just because Auburn's offensive line got eaten alive by George defensive front, Bo Nix was able to run around. Like he has that in his repertoire. Jared Garantano is not a, he's not an athlete. He's not someone who's going to move around in the pocket when things crumble. Um, It's just not his game. But does that mean he's a bad quarterback? Mike, family lost their mind Jarek garantano stinks he shouldn't be starting against kentucky garantano's awful this is why we shouldn't play like he won eight straight for a reason like he's still solid i'm not saying Jarek garantano is the answer but i'm saying Jarek garantano was not the reason that they lost this game today like it was the depth like tennessee did not have the depth and their four or five stars on the offensive line did not come to play Mays, this was a big moment for him did not come to play and that was the game george's like monty rice is just a monster and Walker and O'Julie, whatever his name is, was great. I wasn't impressed with uh, George's DBs. I think they might be a little overrated. Palmer, Mossed, uh, I think, was it Campbell? Who did he moss in this game? That was uh, that was DJ Daniel on yeah. that play. I think he, he may have Campbell got later. He may have gotten away with a little bit of a push off oh, on that. Please but, get out of here. Uh, but um, I, there's lots to unpack. Yeah, what can you? you is that a fair assessment of this game from my end? I will, I will start by saying Jared Quarantano is not. He's not terrible. He's Tennessee's best quarterback. So I don't know if you like who you would rather have starting. Yeah, Mauer is not changing that game. He, yeah, he's not good. He's not like a good player, but he's I the best he's Tennessee. Good. He's a he's, B plus. He's fine. But this is kind of what I was saying. Like with all the pressure that George has been able to create, Bo Nix is the only reason that we didn't have eight sacks against yes. Auburn before. So I think Guarantano, you saw how different uh just a normal and he has a little bit of mobility you know but he does just a normal he's, quarterback he's, he's just he's formed he looks like he should be mobile he looks like he should be an athlete but he's not he is not comfortable scrambling he's just not yeah that's not who he is so georgia just georgia just got after him and i feel mm. like 
it's one thing to get sacks. It's another thing to 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 fumble three times like he did. So he's he's got to hold on to the ball. But I will I will strongly disagree with your your uh, your perception of the first half that that Tennessee was able to do some things in the first half. I really I don't think Tennessee really did anything in the first half. I think really the it was second quarter time. was literally all Tennessee. They had a goal line stand on defense. The defense stepped up the big. You had two big well. bombs to Palmer. Like they were able to move the football all, up and down the field. I, I mean, when you talk about the offensive line, you're saying the offensive line getting some, winning some battles in the first half, but didn't win any in the second half. Yes. I think Tennessee essentially had one offensive drive that was successful at all. Because the, I would, I would honestly say next to the, the Justin Fields, uh, fake punt against Alabama in the SEC championship. That going for it on fourth and one on their own thirty yard line yesterday for that was the worst decision Kirby Smart has made as a head coach. Like you have an offense that can't do anything against you. You were you were gift you gifted them seven points on the second play of the game with that bad snap. So that's just seven points that Tennessee did nothing essentially to earn. And then on top of that, also, you're going to just talk about Bennett what he was doing there we don't talk enough because georgia won the football game but if they had lost by a touchdown like him trying to like yeah die, gotta, what was that just bite the bullet yeah what are you doing yeah, you gotta bite the bullet on that thing man he's trying to that should have been around a he thought there's no reason that should not have been a safety play. well and even that it didn't even have to be a safety if he just dives on it on the three yard line yeah. you punt from your own end zone play the field position game you know it's like you just live to play another day but yeah that was just an atrocious way to start the game and and I'll agree with you. Stetson Bennett did not look great. He missed he missed multiple throws. He just he clearly has limited arm strength. That, Do you know that what's one... easy? When Kiaris Jackson beats our corners on inside slants, like great. That's what Shy Smith did in Week One. That's what Mizzou did a little bit well. Like there's no answer for whatever reason. And when they play zone and they send people back and like that little crease in the middle of the field is where Bennett thrives. And Kiaris Jackson just killed them in there and that yeah and i'll, and I'll give him that those, those quick passes in the middle of the field it's not it's not easy to just to throw in the middle of the field there's mm. a lot of traffic in there and he does that well but when you see like him on the run trying to throw a 40 50 yard bomb i mean it's he gonna be short that, yeah he, he underthrew that ducks. that pass to pickens yeah even that even the touchdown to kiaris jackson was a duck and uh george pickens i mean he he had to come back 10 15 yards for that when they got the pass interference uh, that was just a terrible looking throw, but, but yeah, I feel like Georgia was really the the reason Tennessee was in this game in the first half. Mm-hmm. They just, I just, I can't get over a team that can't move the ball on you. Why, why even risk giving them the ball at your own 30 yard line? And then, then you gave Tennessee a little bit of confidence, like they could play with you and, and really, also, I would almost, almost say, mess that up and gave y'all fourth down I, I or gave y'all a fourth down repeat. That was insane. Like they were all, well, they almost called the playback. Well, I don't understand the logic. If I'm being honest, like if it's a procedure play, an illegal procedure, illegal motion, whatever they called, but if that's a that's a pre-snap penalty, right? Mm-hmm. So wouldn't that mean the play never but happened? Never, but that's the thing. The play happened. No one heard the whistle, and they did the play. And the play happened. But if you're calling, if you're calling a penalty before the play, then that should negate the play happening. I don't think they called it. I that's the think. thing. Clearly. Clearly, it, clearly, it didn't matter. But um, yeah, yeah. I just, I think Georgia's defense is just so dominant. I would almost say last year, last year's performance, Tennessee 
had a better offensive performance than in this game. Like they at least did a little something. They had like over 300 yards of total offense. They Guess who had was like in there though for that game? It was Mauer. Yeah, and I mean they had over 70 yards rushing. Like because they, Mauer runs around. Mauer is something. active. He's got some Bo Nix to him. Like he runs around as a crazy madman, not accurate and not someone coaches would be comfortable with. And uh, yeah, he's a better recipe to be in a game against Georgia. You have to have a mobile quarterback. I think at this point. I think that's what we know for sure. If you're going to beat Georgia this year, you have to have a mobile guy. Yeah, I mean, that's probably true. This defense is just so fast and yeah, allowing negative one yards on the ground and five sacks, getting picks, forcing fumbles. Like, this this defense, like, they they, they flex their muscles for sure in this one. Like, And even everyone, even mainstream media is talking about it. Just, like, they're, like, the only – they appear to be the only good defense – in the SEC, and one of the only good defenses in college football right now. Can I tell you why I'm actually okay with this Georgia loss? Huh. Please, please, please tell me why you're okay with this. So Georgia plays Bama next week on the road. So that's a loss. So they're going to get their comeuppance next week. But they're also that, in the driver's right? seat. They already play the, the game? They they. They go. Oh yeah. Let, let's keep betting on uh, teams who are uh, coached by Nick Saban assistants. Let's keep doing that. Um, it's going well. What is it? Twenty one and zero now. Um, then they get him again in the title game. This is a season where Georgia is going to get Bama twice, and Kirby losing to Saban twice in one season makes me very happy. So the fact that Pruitt will avoid going down to Saban twice this year, and that that honor will go to the Georgia Bulldogs and Stetson Bennett. Uh, going down twice to wow the, to the Alabama Crimson Tide makes me happy. Like it makes me happy. Yeah, I think that, that Georgia shows, gets those two losses. This that season. just shows we, where your mentality is at right now. You're, Tennessee's not ready for the big. No, stage. we're not. You're not. You're not mentally ready to be there. Georgia's it's ready not for it. It has nothing to do with mental. It's depth. It's 100 depth. Like Georgia's depth on both sides of the ball just still outpaces Tennessee. Tennessee's not there. The recruiting classes are picking up, but. They're just not there on both sides of the ball. We'll see. Kendall uh, Milton's a good example of this, of just the other guy, McIntosh, Milton. It didn't matter. You could throw in anybody. Georgia's still set, and Georgia's still a force in the class of the SEC East. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. and those those top three running backs got 38 carries, and Zamir White got 22 of them. For I would definitely six yards. He 22 for 50, all right? Dude, he, uh, he I, have did a little I can go down my notes of white run, second and 12, white run, third and five, white run. It, it really was. I mean, and I don't I don't know. He's shown flashes. You know, he looked a lot better against Auburn last week. I think, I don't know how much I want to blame Zemir White for it. And But and why it, are you running at the, the middle? Specific... What are these shotgun draws at the middle? Those never work. Yeah, I mean, Georgia was struggling to run the ball uh at times in the first and it, it really did it seemed so predictable it felt like i was watching um 2019 georgia for a minute it's like stetson bennett's got got some uh, mobility man like we need to be doing something like call some zone reads like he needs to keep keep it here and there uh, i actually talked to my brother at halftime and that was like one of the things he's like why does he not keep it sometimes like keep the defense honest and and one of the first uh possessions of the second half he he kept one and got a first down out of it and it really got georgia's offense moving but yeah i definitely think you're gonna see Ken, kenny mcintosh and kendall milton get a, a bigger share of those carries next week because zamir white I, I i haven't given up on him that he's not good but it looks like those other two just just run with a better kenny mcintosh just has 
has better vision, it looks like, and he just looks to hit the hole. And I don't know. I was Zamir White just seems to run right into a crowd and, and wasn't was having a lot of trouble running on Saturday. Yeah, but Georgia won, and it's going to be very difficult to beat Georgia. And uh, thankfully, um, they have Alabama on the schedule probably twice. So um, that is something to look forward to. Um, but anyway, Tennessee moves on to a home game against Kentucky next week, so they'll bounce back to 3-1. and one, And then uh, Georgia goes to 3-1 and one as well. So we'll be back tied in the standings, just like the universe would have preferred. Um, Saturday night. You're really counting those chips, all right? No, for got a sure. shot Definitely go ahead and pencil in. Well, I'll go ahead and lock that one up on Thursday. Yeah, no, okay. that's great. Um, all right, I'm loving this. I'm loving the disrespect <laughs> so early in the week. Um, before we continue, though, let's get through our our standings. How did this week unfold for for you and I? Oh man, if only uh, if only the Georgia Tennessee outcome was the only bad news of your weekend chase um this was not your best week for the uh pick'em um I, i'll just get to it i noticed i noticed my uh and my pick'em this week i didn't have any differences in uh against the spread and overall i just took someone i was taking them all the way so i went six and four overall six and four against the spread you on the other hand sir went three and seven against the spread oh not great but uh, overall, you went one and nine. No, one and nine, sir. That is uh, that is not what we like to see. Clemson was your only win. That's insane. Yeah, and then um, who are the two? TCU, or you had Kansas State covering the spread, and uh, the other one was you had NC State covering the spread. But you had Virginia and TCU winning those games, which they did not do. But yeah, so, so it was a little rough week, and uh, now on the season, I got leads in both. I got a slight lead against the spread, twenty-seven twenty-three. You are you are twenty-six and twenty-four against the spread, and then overall, I'm thirty-three and eighteen to your twenty-six and twenty-five. But you know, as as Kirby Smart says, humility is a week away. So uh, now you just gotta you just gotta trust the process. I'm not I'm not celebrating anything yet. I know it's a long season. But uh, I got a got a nice lead so far. I really got to bounce back. I didn't think I was that bad. I knew going into today that I did not do well this weekend. I did not know I did one and nine badly. Though. That <laughs> is um, that is a different thing entirely. I just wanted to check on you. You know, after after doing so poorly and the pick um Tennessee loss, you know, I just want to make sure you're doing all right up there. It's because I, I care. It's not great. Um, yeah. It. Uh, well, let's talk about Clemson. The game I got right um, this weekend. Clemson beats Miami forty-two to seventeen. They improved to oh, Miami falls to three and one. Kind of like the Tennessee Georgia game in a way, where it's just there. It, Miami was cute. They're not number seven cute, and uh, Travis Etienne is not fair. Trevor Lawrence is just wasting his time with Clemson for the foreseeable future. Um, there wasn't a lot to take away. Uh, Derek King, we can go ahead and probably cancel off the Heisman year for him. Like that's uh, probably it for that run. But uh, yeah, what what were your thoughts about Clemson curb stomping Miami at home? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like this game went exactly as I thought. I, ex- other than the fact that I thought Derek King would make some plays to keep them in the game, it's like they were really just in the game because of that block punt or the block field goal at the end of the first half there. Uh, just give them a 21-10, it kind of looked like it, it was they were being competitive. But, I mean, they really had that block field goal for a touchdown and then I think like a 40 or 50-yard pass play at one point on their their one touchdown drive in the fourth quarter those are essentially the only two good plays for Miami the entire game Clemson just dominated like like you said Travis Etienne is just he's just too much for every opponent Clemson goes up against Trevor Lawrence it's not even really fair Clemson just I feel like we 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 see these rankings all the time and we like convince we convince ourselves we're like oh this team's playing Clemson in a couple weeks I wonder if they got what it takes and they kind of inch their way up the rankings and we kind of convince ourselves by the time of the game that like this is going to be a good game for Clemson but it's really not Clemson's just going to destroy anyone they play in the ACC and it's maybe maybe anyone in college football but we but we don't know about the best of the best in the other conferences playing Clemson but we know that the best that the ACC has to offer is just, it's never going to have to be Clemson. They just, they were dominant. I mean, Miami really did nothing offensively. Yeah, but Miami will be fine. They'll bounce back. It's just, they're in that tier two with North Carolina and everybody else. Team, I was, I was wrong about North Carolina and we'll, we'll get to them in a second. Um, maybe the game of the week, Alabama goes on the road in Mississippi um one thing that i've learned for sure um the team that beats the the assistant that beats saban for the first time will be an offensive assistant whether it's steve sarkeesian when he goes back to usc or something or um mike loxley at maryland in a crazy upset like it's gonna be one of his former offensive assistants if brian dabble gets some sort of college job um that is something that i'm very much convinced of uh, it's not going to be a defensive-minded guy. It's not going to be someone who used to coach the defense. Like He's just always going to be a step ahead on that front, and he's always going to be able to to win those, and he's going to curb-stomp whoever. Um, Lane Kiffin gave Saban all kinds of problems offensively. Lane Kiffin, they scored 7, 14, 14, 13. Bama just scored 21-21 in the second half. Um, that was just a little bit more. Mac Jones, 28-32, 417 yards, two TDs. Najee Harris was just an absolute monster. 23 carries, 206 yards, five touchdowns. Just like, what is happening? Then Kenny Yaboa is going to be a dude. Seven receptions, 181 yards, two TDs. Um, Matt Coral was referred to, I saw on Twitter, as Chad Carey Light, or Chad Kelly Light. And I like that. Um, Coral's good. And... Um, Kiffin's already. What is here. what does that mean, Chad Kelly Light? The way he plays, Chad Kelly was just like a gamer and just undersized, <laughs> ran around, did a little bit of the, he made piss vinegar. Yeah, and he made Ole Miss's offense fun. And Matt Coral makes Ole Miss's offense fun, and they're going to be fun all year. Ole Miss is probably the most fun team in the SEC, and that offense is legit. That defense with DJ Durkin is atrocious. I really can't believe just how bad that Ole Miss defense is. I think did you see, did you see that Roger Sherman tweet about this game? I did not. So Alabama accumulated every possible yard they could have, except for like forty-one yards total. So like oh my every God. snap, they like the only yardage they left on the table from when they had the the ball was like forty-one yards. 
Wow. Yeah, I, mean, I noticed on that's basically in the second half, even Alabama didn't really get many stops. It was just Ole Miss kind of stopped themselves yeah. on that one drive where they, they had the bad snap on the third down. It's like Alabama just had six drives in the second half, six touchdowns. Ole Miss scored on every drive too, but they unfortunately they had to settle for some field goals. So I uh, like you said, uh, Najee Harris. He's a he's a cheat code. Honestly, I think that's a that's a term you love to say. Is this guy's a cheat code? I don't know why he came back for his senior year at Alabama. He had nothing to prove to me, but maybe he's showing everybody that he is legit, a first round workhorse. Running back because he's he was my stud of the week this week. Twenty three carries, two hundred six yards, five touchdowns. Also had uh, two catches for or three catches for forty two yards through the air. Like after he fumbled that uh, that one on the goal line that got Ole Miss the ball. Um, I don't th- I don't know if they tackled him again after that. Like I swear, every single one on one tackle Najee Harris had, he just slid off the dude. Like he just this guy is just a straight beast and. I think this is what makes uh, Alabama's offense so good because there are so many of these teams uh, this year, Ole Miss clearly included, and Florida that can just air it out with the best of them, and their passing offenses are nearly unstoppable. But to have Najee Harris go with that unstoppable passing offense, it it makes this Alabama defense like or Alabama offense like just almost unguardable. And I got to give you some props because Matt Corral. Matt Corral, you were hyping up in the preseason. You had this as a preseason upset, Ole Miss beating Alabama. And, man, they gave him a game. I uh, Matt Corral, was, he's, he's a baller. He was just he was running around making plays. I think what was more surprising than anything is just how Ole Miss was able to run on Alabama. I mean, to have 268 rushing yards against a saving defense. like Well, apparently they knew the plays. Or they, they, uh, they knew the signals. Is what Saban assumes. I I did see something about that. I, I Which feel would like be surprising. It would he not seem like he tried to kind of back it up. Like I'm not saying that's illegal. Yeah. Like he's like I mean a lot of people do that. But uh, yeah, no, that's on you. Then change your signal. He may what have. Did you he, think Lane Kiffin was gonna do? He could. I feel like team. he instantly realized how salty he kind of yes. sounded. And you won the game. Yeah, without a doubt. But like, what do we make of this? Like, is this is the is the gut reaction? to this game that wow Kiffin's building something this Ole Miss offense is ridiculous or is it like that Alabama's defense is questionable like not that Alabama's offense isn't just ridiculous as well I mean they're they have the probably the best offense in college football we've seen so far that uh they are Clemson but what do we make of this of the Alabama defense it's hard to say because I think Old Miss's offense might be the best in the conference outside of Florida. They're the best in the West, I think. Um, Florida is right there, but they went toe-to-toe offensively with Florida. Florida's just a little bit better. Um, Old Miss's offense is legit, and I think Bama's going to struggle against teams like that. But also, this is something that's important that I think a lot of people miss when it comes to defenses that give up a lot of points. Teams, part of the reason the Big 12 has high scoring games is that when you score a lot of points very quickly, and the way Lincoln Riley scores is he scores quick. They're not like 12 play, seven minute drives. They are built on explosive plays. Most of the Big 12, the Air Raid, the Baylor to the world, they're built on explosive plays. So when your offenses are so good, 
where you score 40 something points a game, the defense is going to be on the field a lot more than other teams. The SEC used to be able to be under center all the time and I form drag it out. The amount of possessions that the other team was getting was drastically different than the amount of possessions that teams are getting now in the SEC. So scoring can be up across the board um, with so many teams running Baylor style air raid. I mean, Leach is now literally in this conference and um, yeah, I just, I think you cannot look at points anymore. I think that's just a lazy way of looking at it. You got to look at possessions. You got to look at what they're allowing per play. You got to look at um, just things like that. There's just more to defense at this point, especially in the SEC than, than yardage. And um, I don't know. I think Bama's defense is better than it was a year ago. And I think they'll probably regroup, but I, I think Georgia is very clearly ahead of, of Bama defensively. But I also think, it's not like Tennessee and Auburn's offenses are anywhere close to uh, Ole Miss at this point. Ole Miss is a better offense than both of them, and it's really not even close. And and I would agree with that. And I think in general, that's definitely true. If your offense is scoring quickly, you're just having your defense be on the field for more possessions, more time uh, in the game, you're going to give up more points. But just looking at each possession, like Ole Miss had success – Every so if I would agree with you if it was like Ole Miss just getting so many possessions, some are punts, some of them are touchdowns, but they're still just getting a lot of points. I mean, if you look at like the second and third quarter, it was just touchdown, 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 and they were just they were moving it at will on this Alabama defense. So having over 600 yards of offense on an Alabama defense is just something we've never seen before. So I feel like I it's it's worth noting. Because I, I don't think it's just about the offense kind of dictating the pace of the game that you still give up 48 points. You know, if you're good on defense, you're going to get more stops than they got on, on Saturday. But the only thing, what, uh, what could be the case moving forward is that there might not be anyone else on Alabama's schedule that's able to replicate what Ole Miss was doing. Maybe Ole Miss is the best offense they face this season. It'll still remain to be seen but uh you got you got to worry about giving up 48 points um to anybody really in in a college football game and a game that didn't go to overtime or anything yeah well old miss is fine they're in the, moving in the right direction bama will be fine that offense is just i don't think we're gonna see bright uh bryce young this year right like that's mac jones is gonna be the quarterback for the we'll league. see man if if georgia if georgia jumps on him in the first half we we know they have a tendency to bring in that backup quarterback to beat the Bulldogs. That would be delightful, but I think this Georgia offense is just different than those previous Georgia offenses. Like this, Man, Georgia I, I would be able to handle that. I would not be able to handle that if Georgia's up fourteen three at the half on Saturday and they bring in Bryce Young and he goes off in the second half. I just, I, I surely Kirby's preparing for two quarterbacks at this point. It can't happen that too many times to him. Texas A and M. Number 21 in the nation hosts Florida this weekend. Number four, Texas A&M sneaks one out 41 38 off a bad turnover by Florida. That leads to the game winning field goal late. Texas A&M comes back in this game to knock off the Gators. Calamon goes for 25 to 35, 338 yards, three touchdowns. My dude of the week though. My stud of the week, Matt Green, Isaiah Spiller. 27 carries, 174 yards, two touchdowns. 
Texas A&M's offense is back. I have been very hard on them. We have been very hard on this Aggie team this year. This is the kind of game they had to win, and this is the offensive explosion that we wanted to see all year long. The last couple years of the Kellen Mond experience in College Station, and uh, I thought Isaiah Spiller was incredible in this game. That dude is just good, and Kellen Mond was solid, and this was a great win, and he was emotional, and this was um, Jimbo being as emotional as he was, because it's like it's their first big program win. Pruitt's going to be like this when they, I mean, actually, I don't know. Pruitt's not really the happiest guy. So he probably won't be like Jimbo and his reaction to, <laughs> to beating whoever it is first. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I thought this was a great win. Florida's defense. I, I love Florida Twitter. Did you see who they kept uh, updating? It was like the next DC at Florida. I did not. Dan Quinn, the pictures of Dan Quinn when uh, he was at DC one year. So just like Dan Quinn's coming. So that's the new savior for third and Grantham. But uh, Florida's offense is still fantastic. And that defense just, that defense can't stop. Anyway, we talk about bad defenses. like Third and Grantham. It's just, it's atrocious. And it's got to be so aggravating if you're a gator fan because like you're you finally have a good offense again like we forget how long it's been since florida had a fun offense it's been almost a decade like it the urban meyer dan mullen era has almost been a decade ago that didn't even end well remember the last year of the urban meyer stuff with steve adazio that offense was a train wreck was john brantley was he the last it was last year like this offense has been terrible for ten years, and Florida not having a good offense is just super depressing and awful. And they finally have it; they have it one of the best offenses in the country, and it doesn't matter because now the defense sucks. And I, I, I would just be banging my head against the wall if I was a Gator fan because everything was laid out for you this year, everything. And yeah, and this, yeah. and this proved. I think we talked about this before the season starts. Florida was one of the teams that uh was hurt the most by the new the co- post covid schedule because they had such an easy uh rotation coming from the west this year and especially getting their locked rivalry being an LSU team that it clearly that clearly appears to be down and Texas A&M is one of those uh teams that appeared on their schedule with the the expanded 10 game SEC schedule and I think it, it I honestly I blame myself uh, for not picking this game because the like you said the third and Grantham reared its ugly head again Texas A&M was 12 of 15 on third downs had 543 yards of total offense 205 rushing yards but we all know that defense travels right when when a team has a defense they can go anywhere anytime and win a game but we knew Florida's defense was suspect you know we knew that this was the crossroads for Jimbo Fisher. They had their backs up against the wall. Like this is like his entire legacy at Texas A&M was almost on the line in this game. And now we just knew Texas A&M had so much to play for. And Florida has struggled to stop anybody going into a hostile environment. I, uh, I felt like I would have been a a Georgia Homer picking against Florida to win this game. But uh, I, uh, I just, I, I almost blame myself for not picking this. It had so much of the recipe for an upset, and it's a, it's it changes everything for Jimbo Fisher. I mean, if you just look at the SEC West now, you can this team can realistically go nine and one, eight and two, 
And that is going to change the entire narrative of where Texas A&M is in the hierarchy of the SEC West. You know, if they're if they beat Auburn, if they beat LSU this year. So it really it's a it's very interesting to me. And what was most telling? Uh, were you aware of the comments that uh, Brenton Cox made uh, the last week during the game or during the preparation for this game? I was not. So Brenton Cox, I just see some random story on, I don't know, Wednesday or Thursday that Brenton Cox says the UGA game is personal from him for him this year. Of course, Brenton Cox being the uh, defensive end that transferred from Georgia and now he's playing for Florida. And I should have looked at that comment more that he says he's like excited to get the win in Jacksonville. That game's going to be personal for him. It's like, bro, Jacksonville is like four games away. You're about to go play a ranked team on the road in maybe the biggest stadium. Are they the biggest stadium in the SEC now? It's like 110,000. And the biggest stadium in the SEC, and you're talking about Georgia? Like, you're talking about, like, that just shows where the focus was. That's one player on the team. You know, it could be too too big of a reaction for just one player. But I think that speaks volumes to, you know, how ready Florida was in this game. And and their defense clearly did not show up in this game for for a third straight week. Yeah, I um, I I don't know what you do here with Florida. Like their offense is gonna keep them at nine and nine ten win territory, but it's just gonna be a big. This is gonna be one of the seasons that just is gonna take some time for Florida fans to get over. It's not over. You can still beat Georgia and go to the SEC title game and all that, but um, I don't know. That is a, it's a bad loss and a big win for Texas A&M. And it's true. And if, you know, if Florida goes nine and one this year and loses to Georgia, it's like, you know, you didn't get to the SEC championship for another season. It's disappointing, but it's also like it's a one loss season. But now, now there's just so much more pressure on that game in Jacksonville. And it's now it's an eight and two season where you lose to Georgia. It's not feeling like that same. It doesn't feel like the arrows pointed up as much. So I don't know. That could be huge. And also, did you see Dan Mullen's comments after this game? I would ninety thousand people. Like, what is this guy talking about? He thinks the the road crowd impacted that the twenty five percent filled uh, Kyle Field is what is what I did will it. say. Kyle That's... Field looked a little more uh, filled than other stadiums I saw this weekend. That could be true, but I mean, give it at absolute most like thirty thousand. 35 yeah. absolute most 40,000 people we need to have a it's watch like, of who looks the most filled every week which stadium we, which we should filled. start doing that but like you're it's sec man like half the, the stadiums you go into are 90 90 100,000 seat stadiums that are just packed out with rowdy fans like what are you are you really blaming this loss on 25 30,000 texas a&m fans like come on man that's just a bad look that's a Say that on your Monday press conference. Don't don't say that right after the game's over. I agree. Florida State goes on the road to Notre Dame and fall to one and three. Notre Dame knocks off the Seminoles, forty-two to twenty-six. Um, this game is not as close as it looks in the score. Um, Notre Dame did whatever they wanted offensively early on in this game. Um, Kyron Williams, nineteen carries, one hundred eighty-five yards, two TDs. I will say. I don't know if you feel this way. My biggest takeaway watching back this game this morning, Ian book still good enough to keep Notre Dame in the playoff hunt, but also Florida state's moving in the right direction. Jordan Travis is a big difference than uh Blackman under center. And I think uh, Terry on Terry is going to be good. 
They, I like their weapons outside. I think they're fighting and they're showing fight. Like they were up 17 to 14 after one here. And obviously they end up getting blown out. But I, I thought Florida state fought hard early and I think they don't have the bodies yet to hang with this team like Notre Dame or Clemson or Miami or any of those teams. But I do think this was a positive loss for the Seminoles. Is that fair? Man, that's how far Florida State's fallen, huh? We're talking about positive losses. But um, no, you're definitely right. It's like this was like a normal, like a regular way to lose a game. Yes. It's like this is a team that's better than you, and you just you fought hard. And yeah, I definitely was impressed that Florida State at least hung around in this game for the first half uh, before Notre Dame just really just blew them away. But I, uh, it's crazy to me that that's, that's where we are with Florida State now. But yeah, put some respect on my guy Ian Book's name, man. I told you, Ian Book is solid, all right? You want to talk about Guarantano or over here? Like, Ian Book. Ian Book is a legit college football quarterback. Like, I don't know if this guy's going to be anything in the NFL, but Absolutely he's just... not. He's got that guy that... He's just one of those guys who's just got those kind of gamer abilities. He's He makes some plays with his legs. He's, he's not the best... He doesn't have the best arm, but, I mean, he's... He's a he's a quality, he's an accurate quarterback. I feel like Ian Book, he he's a good enough quarterback to win a national championship. I'll say that. Uh, like Notre Dame doesn't have Notre Dame doesn't have everything else you need to win a championship. But like if Georgia, like if if Georgia had Ian Book as their quarterback right now, I feel like they they might be the the front runner to win the national championship. The I feel front like runner is Clemson dead. I'm saying Ian Book is just that solid of a quarterback. Uh-huh. I mean, Ian Book is essentially like a legitimate version of Stetson Bennett. Like right, Stetson Bennett runs around and like runner. makes those Ian Book plays. does not make them the front runner. Let's calm down there, sir. I'm just I'm saying Georgia is a team that's essentially like almost winning despite their quarterback. Not that Stetson Bennett hasn't been solid, but he's just he's so he's just so kind of mediocre. Like yeah, he's just the way people are talking about him is going to drive me nuts all season long. I mean, because his story, that, uh, his story is he was still a scout team. Did you know he mirrored Baker Mayfield? Hey, man, it, it, at least we had to deal with those Jake Fromm Little League World Series stories for three years. Oh, did you know he was he was committed to Alabama? Oh, I did, he was in the Little League World Series? No, I hadn't. Yeah, I've literally known this for three years. We talk about it every single game. But no, I'm just I'm just saying Ian Book is solid. Like if Notre Dame doesn't have the pieces to win a national championship, but with, with everything in line, like a good team that's got all the good pieces like Ian book is a fine quarterback. That's, that's, that's the only point I'm making. He's like, he's just a better version of that kind of, that kind of Bo Nix kind of player. Like that, that guy who just kind of runs around and makes plays. He's just a more legit version of that. Virginia tech goes to North Carolina with a third of their team missing, um, and fall 45 to 56 at North Carolina. North Carolina got out to a 21 to nothing lead here and Virginia Tech had a big comeback in the second half, but they were just too far down to really, really come back in this game. Um, Sam Howell was solid 18 to 23, very accurate three TDs. Um, Michael Carter ran all over him, but Hendon Hooker, did he get taken out? Like what happened in this game? Cause he only went seven of 13. I think, did he get pulled or did he get hurt? I think he may have got hurt. I was uh, I was wondering the same thing because um, they uh, yeah they were getting blasted early in this game and and came back and I know he had a rushing touchdown at one point, um, but yeah North Carolina just ran all over him. I, I feel like I got to uh, admit when I'm wrong and and North Carolina 
really uh, silenced some critics this week. I think everyone was saying that Virginia Tech was a, one of the more underrated teams in college football and that North Carolina was one of the more overrated teams in college football. And, I mean, they just straight came out and just pounded them. I mean, almost 400 yards on the ground, and Sam Howell had a super efficient game. They, uh, they, their offense seemingly scored at will. Auburn at home holds off the Arkansas Razorbacks 30 to 28. Um, Arkansas should have won this game. And uh, one and two Auburn, like we talked about this, if they blew this game to Arkansas at home, like Gus is done, right? Like the, this is it. Chad Morris is former team. Sam Pittman's already done 10 times what Chad Morris did over two years at Arkansas. Like they've all bought in. Felipe Franks looked good in this game. Four TDs through the air. Accurate. Tank Bigsby is an absolute monster. Did you see that uh, catch and run he had in this game where he just bounced off like nine different guys and had this like 45-yard gain? Like he's he's a monster. He's going to be the next great Auburn back. But um, yeah. Yeah, Tank Auburn, Bigsby's a beast. Auburn should have lost this game. The He fumbled. Like he fell. He dropped the ball. Then he spiked it. But he can't spike it at that point. And I, I don't, the SEC released a statement after, and it was still unclear and ambiguous. And I'm just like, it's one of those where you just have to go, when you're at home watching this, did you immediately go, that doesn't count, that should be blown dead, or that's a fumble? What was your instant reaction? Because my instant well, reaction my inst- was like, that's a fumble. Yeah, well, and my instant reaction was, you know, you've seen that before where they bought, where they uh, fumble the snap that you can't ground it at that, or you can't spike it at that point no. that I knew it was going to be grounding. And then it wasn't until you saw the replay that you're like, wait, he threw that backwards. Right. Like that's gotta be a fumble. Like I was struggling with this one because it's like they, so yeah, when they released that statement, like, and when they talked to the, the sec head of uh, officiating or whatever, he was saying that, if more players had continued to play, then they could they could say that there was an immediate recovery <laughs> and still give Arkansas the ball. But because only like two or three guys kept playing, it was like essentially the play stopped. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like if, if these guys are all doing the wrong thing, but it's still a live ball, there were people going after it. And Arkansas did seemingly immediately recover it. But I, I struggle with it because of like the um kind of like the common sense perspective, like the for all intents and purposes. Like technically, I feel like you're right, and Auburn or Arkansas should have won this game. But for what was actually happening in the game, like Auburn set up a game winning field goal and was spiking it. You know what I mean? So it's it's like Auburn kind of deserved the outcome of the game even though they did the wrong thing, even though technically it should have been a live ball, it should have been a fumble in Arkansas, I should have recovered. If I was an Arkansas fan, I'm sure I would be so pissed off still this morning, but it seems like for all intents and purposes, like the the justified outcome still happened. I don't know. That's like a, such a neutral perspective, and I know I would feel different if I was a fan of one of these two teams. But what do you think about that? That's fair. Um... Either way, this is not a win for Auburn. Like, I'm not happy if I'm an Auburn fan right now. Like, I it, it, I don't feel good. Either way. No. Like, that felt like a loss to me. I'm just like, oh, this offense, still not fixed. 
Um, Th- this is probably the best game of Felipe Franks' career, honestly. Felipe Franks yeah. was, was out there balling. But what I thought was funny is that Gus Malzahn, before the game, you know, it's like, it's probably, he probably just got caught up in coach speak, but it's like, he's like, you know, this Arkansas, they're a much better coach team than they were a year ago. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, your their coach a year ago is now on your staff. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? But I, I thought that was funny, but. But yeah, Arkansas. I mean, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's maybe it's not that bad of a win if if Arkansas takes every team they play to the brink this year, minus probably Alabama. Then maybe it isn't. Maybe it's not embarrassing to beat Arkansas by two by two points. You know, maybe time will tell on that because they have they've looked a lot better so far this year. Missouri hosted due to the hurricane uh, an LSU team that uh, is still, as of this recording, getting their defense called by Bo Pelini. Um, Mizzou drops 45 on LSU and wins 45-41 to 41 here. Um, I, I watched this Mizzou team last week. Uh, this blew my mind. LSU's defense has too much talent, regardless of learning a new system, there's no excuse. Like, look, I told you, Connor Baslick is a dude. I told you this in the podcast last week. Like, Tennessee flexed their muscles, limiting him and limiting <laughs> Larry Roundtree uh, a week ago. Like, not every team can do that. Connor Baslick goes 29 of 34, 406 yards. He averaged 11.9 yards through the air. He was averaging a first down per attempt. And. Didn't throw a pick for DDs. He was very comfortable all game long. Um, I just, I I don't know. And then Terrence Marshall, whatever. Can we give stud of the week to like the the losing stud of the week? Terrence yeah, Marshall Terrence, Jr. unguardable. Going eleven receptions for two hundred and thirty five yards and three TDs, and LSU lost. Oh. Man, if you got if he, if it was two thirty six, they would have won this game. If he would have found a way to just barely get in the end zone on that on that play late, that you got pushed out of the one. What do you make of this? This LSU. We talk about Florida's defense. I think LSU's is worse. Um, I feel like you'd have to. It's tough because I feel like Florida's at least played Texas A and M and Ole Miss, who could be two of the better offenses in the SEC. It's like. LSU was starting the season with Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Missouri, and they're one and two. Like, man, you know I'm getting some satisfaction out of this on on my Ed Orgeron hate in the preseason. Like, I just it, like you said, there's no excuse for it. I don't care how many starters you lost from your team last year. Missouri shouldn't be able to beat LSU. Like, they just they shouldn't. They shouldn't be able to have 400 yards passing, almost 200 yards rushing. Like. They didn't stop them at all in this game. And even this game showed you, like, you've got to play a little bit of defense. Like, Missouri gave up 41 points, but when it comes down to it, they got that goal line stand. The defense dialed it up. That was a, that was such an intense ending to this game. I was, like, I was frantically trying to, like, keep up with it as the as the Georgia-Tennessee game was starting. It was a, it was an insane finish. I, I am just... I'm shocked that that Missouri was able to do this. I think it uh, is the first big win of the of the Eli Drinkowitz era. Maybe it 
maybe it means something. And honestly, I, I also feel like this this is a good uh, a good case for the SEC East being better than the SEC West this year. If if you got someone like Missouri knocking off LSU, like that's a that's that's a huge upset, and I don't think anybody saw this coming. So I highly encourage you to look at how Mizzou dinked and dunked. Uh, we need to come up with a nickname for the drink what's dink and dunking. Um, that how to brand that because that is how they're going to play. They're never going to go downfield, and it just Baslick was doing what he did against Tennessee, just to much better, uh, much better results. And it's amazing. Like he spreads the ball around. It's an equal opportunity offense. LSU is just like, hey, where is uh, where's our guys? <laughs> that is their offense. And uh, Mizzou is like, you know what? I'm going to do three passes here, three passes there, three passes there, three passes there. It's a equality for all offense. And they never take shots. They're very nice. Like they're the khaki pants offense of the SEC. <laughs> and they ripped LSU to shred. So shout out to Eli Drinkwitz for a big first SEC win on to the Big 12. Also, yes. Also, before before we move on to the Big 12, how do you be feeling as a member of this LSU team? And you got Jamar Chase over there. I guess he's in the locker room. I, I mean, guess he he's in practice. Solved the defense problems. That's true, but it's like I feel like you're going through some hard times right now, and you got you got players out there that aren't they're choosing not to participate on your team. Like, I wonder if this could like kind of culturally affect like LSU and like what they have going on. on. He's not even on campus anymore. I, I mean, I guess doubts that anyone. I guess not. Yeah, I mean, if he's agent. not playing football, I don't really know what he's doing there. He's. He's not playing I, I don't school think he's anymore. Taking a full load this fall, I don't. I don't think he's. Uh, he's. He's taking a full <laughs> You're probably though. right there. Um, also, the freshman tight end Eric Gilbert still salty that Georgia missed out on that five star tight end out of Marietta. This dude's a straight freak. He's going to be a baller. Texas goes to the Red River Shootout. One of my worst picks. Can't believe I did this. I doubted Lincoln Riley as a doofus. Um, Sam Ellinger is a gamer though. He comes back in the fourth. That's all he does. Like he, that dude tries so dang hard and I feel bad for him because just, it doesn't matter. Texas is just going to be nine and three forever, I think. And they fall 45 to 53 in a crazy ending here. He throws a pick to seal it. Uh, Spencer Rattler got benched early in this game. I, the, what do you make of any i don't know what to pull from this game is oklahoma okay now is texas just is this it for the herman era like charlie strong when he reached this point with texas they moved on from him like what do we do here yeah it's a good point because i feel like charlie strong didn't get didn't get a long leash of uh he didn't get a lot of time to lose at texas before he got fired so Tom Herman, I don't really know. I feel like I feel like they were equi- almost essentially the same type of buzz as like big time assistants. I guess you know he had that offensive hype versus the defensive coach, but it's it's tough. I feel like I felt the exact same way as you watching this game. Like Sam Ellinger, this felt like his legacy game, right? This felt like this was like the most important game of his career, like. He was just trying to will this team to victory. 112 rushing yards, four touchdowns, six total touchdowns in the game. And 
I guess maybe maybe it is his ultimate legacy game, and he ends it going one and four against Oklahoma for his career. Like I feel like you could just tell how important this game was. It was like for for Sam Ellinger going down in like Texas lore, you know, and Texas football history. He'll still have a bunch of career career numbers for Texas because you know he's a four year starter and everything, but. It's like beating Oklahoma is ultimately what you're going to be judged at, judged by as a Texas quarterback. And and I heard someone before the game uh, say they when they were given their picks, they're like, I don't really know how to pick this game, but Oklahoma can't lose three games in a row. And I right when I heard that, I was like, ah, I felt so dumb. Like it's totally right. I felt the exact same way. Like why did I pick Oklahoma? Oklahoma's not going to lose three games in a row. You know, it just it can't happen. And I wish I would have picked Texas. This was an amazing game, like crazy overtime, missing field goals. It was uh, it was some wild stuff. But uh, I, I don't know what to make of it moving forward. I guess I guess it means either of these teams can still win the conference with two losses. I guess Oklahoma's got a much better shot now with this with this tiebreaker over Texas. But uh, I guess at two losses, it's still not inconceivable for for oklahoma to still be able to beat big 12 champions yeah well oklahoma writes the ship and uh we're all better for it last game that we want to get into here before we run through the remainder of this week's slate uh iowa state this was my maybe like outside of just the big 12 as a whole just needs to get canceled because I talked myself into Texas Tech on the road here that Iowa State was just going to be that team this year that played up to their competition and played down to the other schools like Louisiana at home. Texas Tech comes in here riding off a big win against Oklahoma. I overthought this, and uh, Iowa State moves to 3-1 and one and beats the Texas Tech Red Raiders 31-15 to to improve to 3-1. and one. Texas Tech falls to 1-3 and three under Matt Wells. Brock Purdy, another great game for him, 32 32- for 43, 300 yards, two TDs, and Brees Hall continues his dominant effort at 27 carries for a buck, 35, and two touchdowns. Um, is there a case to be made now that Iowa State is the best team in the Big 12? I think a case can definitely be made for Iowa State being the best team in the Big 12. I mean, with with Brock Purdy, he looked good. I mean, we we kind of already know he's he's the one known commodity about their team coming into this season. And I feel like you got to give it up for this defense. I mean, this defense or uh, this Texas Tech offense hung, what, 60 points on Texas uh, a couple weeks ago. And they held Texas Tech to 270 total yards and 0 for 10 on fourth or on third down. And so, I mean, that's that's about as impressive of a performance as you're going to see in the Big 12 holding someone to 15 points. So I feel like this is a this is a big win for Iowa State. And this game was never even really in doubt i mean they just had a comfortable lead the whole way all right the other games that happened this weekend and you can stop me if you have something to add for any of these games Tulane falls on thursday to houston houston wins 49 31 there to get their first one of the season uh, for their first game of the season it only took until uh mid-october to debut for the houston tigers but dana holgerson starts out great there this is a fun one i highly encourage you to check back out but it wasn't as fun as the friday night game the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets unveiling some navy blue unis with the gold helmets I liked a lot. Jeff Sims under center goes 11 to 21 for 249 yards, two DDs, and they blow out the cards of Louisville. They just they just look like a so much more legit program yep. now that they have Adidas. 
It's like it just it just makes them look like oh yeah Russell they're legitimate yeah. they're legitimate D one program now. It's like I was I was whatever about those uniforms. They look all right, but uh, yeah, I feel like just now that they have Adidas, Jeff Collins, Jeff Collins uh, is good. He's they're at least program. looking like a, a, a big time Power Five program now. It's, they got a long way to go before they're before they're good, but they're they're moving in the right direction. Beating Florida State and Louisville. Um, I think it's a great start to the se- the year two of the Jeff Collins era. Um, all you can yep. really hope for is like four and six, three and seven, and beating a Louisville team that we would have penciled in before the season as a loss. Um, trouble, trouble in Louisville, I will say. Yeah, maybe, not, not maybe even more of an indictment on Louisville, turning the ball over three times. Not good. Um, BYU continues their dominance, improving to four and zero. How did I not cover? I picked, didn't I pick? What was the spread on this? Because I said this was going to be close. I distinctly remember this was going to be close. Jeff Trailer, I'm a big fan of, who I think actually should be the next coach of Texas. This, this um, wasn't this wasn't in the pick'em. That's what it is. I just said it in the when we were going over it post pick'em. That's what it was. Because I think if we pulled the the tape on the games that weren't in our pick'em, I probably go undefeated. And it's a different yeah. I'm story. sure you. I'm sure you feel that way. Um, Zach Wilson <laughs> improves to 22 and 30, 292, two TDs. BYU 4-0, 15th in the country. Good for them. Uh, Liberty rolls all over a winless UL Monroe team to improve to 4-0. They win 40 to seven there. Uh, NC State now three and one. I think they're going to be ranked. Uh, this the Wolfpack, man. I told you the Road Warriors. That was their third straight road game. They got the road win over Pittsburgh. Now the road win versus Virginia. Don't uh, don't sleep on the Wolfpack in the ACC. I I've been sleeping on them. So no no longer NC State legitimately good now. Um, South Carolina <laughs> blows out Vanderbilt, who is by far the worst team in the the SEC. They are missing a bunch of players due to COVID. Um, I don't think it would have mattered all that much. They lose forty-one to seven. Yeah, here. we uh, we owe South Carolina an apology. They were we a thirteen-point favorite. We were like, can they even score thirteen <laughs> points? Like, I don't. So they they dropped forty-one on Vanderbilt. So I give them their respect. Will Muschamp, Kate, he uh, he saves his job for another week. Um, Duke goes on the road at Syracuse and gets their first one of the the season. A game that featured a benching of Chase Bryce for him to only come back in and lead the Blue Devils to a 38-24 win. Army. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. This is the Greg this is the Greg Paulus Bowl. Oh, yes. I know you remember I know you remember Greg Paulus, right? Isn't he a coach at Duke now? Or Syracuse, he's a coach at one Ooh, of the two. Oh, you know, he might be. I would assume Duke cuz he played basketball at Duke and then just played the one year of football at Syracuse, but yeah. It was a, a, little, a little throwback for our college college basketball fans. What is that? It's probably like 2005, 2006 maybe. Somebody I think like he. That. I want to say was that he the John he's, Shire era. Oh, you know, I think he played with JJ Reddick. So okay. did Reddick and Shire overlap? I know him and Sean, no, Josh McRoberts mm-hmm. were both like freshmen in the same year. I want to say he was on that team. Sheldon Williams with Sheldon Williams yeah. and JJ Reddick. Yeah, when they were seniors, and then I think Greg Paul was a freshman. I want to say that I'm not 100. percent But Army moving beat Citadel. 14 to 9 to improve to 4 and 1. Would you like to guess how many passes Army's quarterback Jamel Jones threw in this game? Uh 1. 10. He goes 4 for 10, 40% completion. Wow, percentage. 10 passes? Yeah. Jeff Army Monk airing, it, opening airing it, up. it out a little bit. Yeah, opening it up. Central Arkansas in their 12th game, I feel like this season, uh falls 50 to 27 at Arkansas State. Troy takes care of Texas State. 
37 to 17. BC takes care of Pitt in overtime. The Jeff Halfleys, three and one. We thought this was going to be close, but we both picked Pitt, and Pitt falls to three and two. They're blowing their. Oh, not so fast, sir. I uh, I took Boston College Golden Eagles in this one. I did, but I'll be honest. It uh, they got lucky in this one. I don't. I don't know if you saw how this one ended with with Pitt missing the extra point in overtime. That I just hate to see any college football game end like that. I think it's Uh, amazing. I, oh no you would think that was amazing i feel like it's like the worst thing i just wanted to just be decided like by the players on the field not that the kicker is not a player but it's like we just take the extra point for granted i uh i hate for a game every year from a mixed extra point like i i'd be a very happy man um of course you're sitting on four straight losses right now irrelevant um <laughs> kansas state goes on the road and beats the tcu horn frogs 21 to 14 kansas state improves to three and one and three and oh in the big 12 so this was one i felt dumb about i yeah. feel like i felt like kansas state was the better team but for some reason i was picking tcu like i was uh, i was drinking the max dugan kool-aid max duggan kool-aid i um uh, kansas state they they've looked like one of the more consistent teams so far the big 12 Middle Tennessee goes to Florida International and gets their first one of the season, improving to one and four. FIU is now zero and two. Temple plays their first game of the year. These schedules and the games and the records are wild. Uh, Navy gets a win, nice bounce back for them in the AAC, winning thirty-one to twenty-nine. South Florida, Jeff Scott. It's going to take some time, my man, because they lose at home, forty-four to twenty-four to the East Carolina Pirates. Um, Louisiana Tech takes care of UTEP 21 to 17 in Conference USA. Marshall keeps their unbeaten record intact by going to Western Kentucky and beating the uh, Hilltoppers 38 Marshall Marshall's looking legit this year. They uh they're they're good. Grant Wells is solid. Brendan Knox is a good running back. I uh, I like him. Kentucky takes care of Mississippi State 24-2. Just a crazy score. KJ Costello throws 55 passes and four interceptions. Terry Wilson couldn't do anything offensively in this game. Um, They really struggled. But, uh, yeah, Kentucky's defense, dominant. Just the air raid, unbelievable two weeks for them. Um, And uh, Kentucky now travels to Tennessee the next week. So they get their a much-needed win there because they were going to fall to 0-4 if they did not. Um, lastly, do you think, do you think Mike Leach and Mississippi state, they regret like how much they celebrated that LSU win now? Like, did you see with the whole bandwagon and all that stuff? What, what did he say post game? Like there are players he got, he has to get out of there. Like he's already talking about like getting rid of people after three weeks. Wow. Now I saw it was the first game in his 19 years of coaching where his team did not score an offensive touchdown. Brutal. I mean, they didn't score an offensive point. I mean, the defense got a safety. So it's that's crazy. Shout I was out not to ex- the Kentucky defensive lineman who reminded KJ Costello how many picks he had thrown. Um, and <laughs> that was that was pretty wild. That was awesome. I was I'll say I was a believer in Kentucky this week. I had no idea they were just gonna shut down Mississippi State like this, though. That's crazy. Like. What do we make of this? Kentucky just destroying Mississippi State, a team that beat LSU. Is Kentucky better than LSU? Like, I, I don't think know Kentucky what's Kentucky is on. better than LSU, yes. 
Like that's this is a wild LSU's bad. So yeah, I mean if 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 Missouri and Kentucky are better than LSU this year, like I don't know what's going on. That is where we're at. Um all right. Uh you did not reveal your dude of the week. Oh, my dude of the week. Yeah, I did. It was a uh it was Najee Harris. Oh. Way to really branch out there. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't say anything else watching that game like I just all I could think is like this guy should not be in college right now. This guy should be playing on Sundays. He should he should be playing for San Francisco or something. He shouldn't be playing for Alabama and George's going to have to tackle him uh next week and I hope we're up for the te- up for the challenge. I uh I'm very excited about next week and the uh the calendar we've got ahead because it's going to be nice after this weekend all I want is a nice Nice, simple weekend. This week looks like we're going to get Dan Quinn getting fired and Tennessee getting a much-needed bounce-back win that I'll be in attendance for against the Kentucky Wildcats because if they do fall here, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, that'll be a, it'll be an interesting week. It seems like LSU-Florida is next week, and, man, that, that game feels so much different than it uh, than we would have thought when the year started. I am. Um, I'm excited for. Uh, I'm. I'm just excited for Georgia Bama, man. This is the this is the regular season game everyone has been waiting for. I couldn't care less. Um, like some people, some people out there, not to be named, aren't giving us a chance. That's all I know. That's saying, I don't don't think I didn't catch the shade you threw. That it's going to be an offensive coach that that beats Saban. All right. I think. I think I, uh, I if, if, I, I if there's really a coach that, that beats Saban, Kirby Kirby's going to do it, man. He's the closest right now. But uh, keep dreaming, my man. Um, <laughs> that's the Georgia fan in you. My favorite segment of the week, it's time for the Georgia High School Sports Association Report. <sighs> Wild week in the state of Georgia for high school football. Chris County goes to Upson Lee and wins 30 two to nothing matt crisp county are you a believer ah uh, no i'm not i think they got lucky this week <laughs> <laughs> you, you think no, so? it was a good performance strong performance mm. but uh we'll see what they do next week grayson takes care of business at home against the mill creek hawks 20 to 13 grayson looking good ah uh, dad i told you this is my pick of the week mill creek took him to overtime but uh couldn't get the win your North Gwinnett Bulldogs shut out the North Cobb Indians sixteen to nothing. Damn right. Are they really the the Indians? North Cobb? I'm pretty sure. Am I wrong? I thought we are they awarded the, the Indians. Uh, I thought we got rid of all those Native American mascots. But, uh, oh yeah, it says Warriors. Okay, the North Warriors, Cobb Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think McEachern still is the Indians then. Oh, I think you're right about that. Um, Norcross blows out the Meadow Creek Mustangs, fifty-nine to fourteen. Um, just Meadow Creek still got some work to do, I think. Um, our team, the team of the podcast, Cook High School, takes care of Brantley County, forty to twenty-three. the The Hornets are looking good. And why is why is Cook High School the team of the podcast? I'm not. I'm not. We talk about them a lot, and I think you were a believer early on. You you were in on the Cook County bandwagon, as I remember. Okay, I'll, I'll take your word for that one. Where you and I went to to college to undergrad, um, the North Hall, 
uh, team. I don't know their mascot. Hosted West Hall. There's a lot of Hall County schools outside of uh, Gainesville. North Hall reigns supreme, forty-two to thirteen. Is North Hall the green one? Are they are they green? I think so. And what is West their, is blue. What is their mascot? I don't know. I don't Georgia Force Christian fall finally to Shambly, the Shambly Bulldogs, twenty-seven to fourteen. The homeschoolers get school, baby. Uh, you, are you proud of that one? Yeah, I don't like the homeschoolers being able to form a super team. I don't like it. <laughs> North Hall is the Trojans, by mm. the way. Griffin takes care of McIntosh on the road, 38-7. to I have been to Griffin, Georgia once in my life, and I am good on ever going back. Um, hey, you don't, you don't talk about <laughs> uh, our Griffin podcast listeners like that, all right? We got a strong following in Griffin. That I remember their AAU team growing up was the Griffin Grasshoppers. I always thought that was cool, playing them in AAU when I was younger. Buford unloads on Central Gwinnett, 51 to nothing. The Black Knights, still still not great. The, the pride of Lawrenceville, Georgia, really struggling out of the gate here. Yeah, I... Um... Not not much you can do with going against a powerhouse like Buford. You know, they're they they're really flexing their muscles. Last game, and then we'll wrap up here. Your Decula Falcons. Your Decula Falcons, Matt Green. The household that keeps you and your fiance acclimated, engaged in the community. You know what the the scuttlebutt is in uh Decula, Georgia. How are the Decula residents dealing with a 28 27 thriller of a friday night victory on the road at lanier for uh tequila what's the oh yeah man like absolutely electric <laughs> big time big time win over lanier uh probably probably the two best teams in the region i would say so far this year tequila and lanier that was a big time heavyweight matchup uh just just the whole town's glad to get the dub but but the one one more i gotta throw in here the game of the week here the alpharetta raiders going on the road at harrison did you see this one i did not the harrison we beat them in a state harrison title game. bulldogs yes the former justin field uh high school uh alpharetta won two to zero <laughs> Two to zero. So uh, big time defense being played in that uh, in that seven A matchup. Would you rather lose twenty four to two or two to zero? I'd probably go two to zero because you're at least in the game till the end. But I think I'd rather lose twenty four to two. Two is just like I don't know. That's that's crushing. Like we couldn't get a field goal. A field goal would have won this game. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, Two to zero. A, a big seventh inning got got him the got him the win. I want to watch the tape of this. I want to see how that's hap- that how that's possible in high school football today. Like I really want to see how that's possible. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking probably subpar quarterback play. <laughs> but even that, like I don't, I don't know. It's just very hard not to score a lot of points in high school football now. Um. Well, uh, you hit up the coaches for for Harrison and Alvareta. They'll tell you how to get it done. Yeah, I'm sure they'll love. Hey, how are your offenses this inept that you can't score one offensive touchdown in today's rules and style of play? 
Explain please, to me how this is please possible. Teach me. Yeah. Teach me your incompetence. Um, Matt Green, that is all I've got. Is there anything you would like to add before we get out of here? Um, I would like to say, you know, I would like to applaud Chase Thomas here for his... Uh, I like this. For his uh, sportsmanship in defeat. You know, I... Um, you you were doing some texting early on, you know, first and second quarter. I'm not a big I'm not a big live texting kind of guy, you know, especially when things are going down on my team. I figured I would uh, be be uh, polite enough to respond to your text, but once things started going uh, in Georgia's in Georgia's uh, started trending in Georgia's direction, I didn't I didn't feel the need to rub it into you. I had to get I had to get one text to you late Saturday night just to. Uh, just to, just to clap back at you a little bit, but uh, I respect your sportsmanship, your professionalism on this podcast. Uh, despite a bad, a bad weekend, you uh, still brought your A game to the podcast. That's all the that's all the listeners can ask for. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I do it for the people. Uh, Matt Green, thank you as always, sir. And we will be also back. yes. One last thing. I was totally totally killed it. Greg Paulus, 2005 2006 was his freshman year. At Duke, the year J.J. Redick won National Player of the Year. That is all. It's just going to hype up my college basketball knowledge as well. I would have rather have ended on uh, celebrating me, but <laughs> let's end it on Greg Paulus and his time at uh, Duke. All right, Matt Green, we'll be back Thursday. Thank you as always. Yes, sir. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Did you like what you heard? Heard? Did you like what you heard? I think is what I'm trying to say right? That's what I'm trying to say. That's the correct English. Um, then guess what? Here's what you do. You go to Apple, you leave it five stars, you leave a review, you let people know why they should listen to this show. You go to patreon.com slash chase Thomas writer. You become a member $5 a month. Go do it. You can do more. I'm not going to say no. Um, go to chase podcast.com. Read all my stuff. Chase Thomas podcast slash page hyphen 11. It's great stuff. Writing every day, doing the pod every day, support the best independent sports podcast today no one's doing what i'm doing nobody can touch me let's keep this thing moving let's keep the lights on let's keep getting after it i'm hyped up follow me on twitter at chase underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer thank you all for your support as this show continues to grow we'll be back yeah tomorrow because guess what this show is daily and it's all thanks to you guys talk to you soon Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.